guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. The theme of correction is present in our scriptures today. Jesus gives us a very clear teaching about how he wants the church to be structured when a person sins against another within the body of Christ. And this is a difficult teaching because, as we know, one of the hardest things to do is to forgive someone that's sinned against us. It's one of the most difficult things to do in the Christian life. When we've truly been hurt, to forgive is a supernatural reality. It takes God's strength to be able to give us the ability to love in that way. But still more difficult, I believe, is the obligation to correct those who have sinned against us or against another. This is something that we avoid. This is something that we tend to take as really just managing my own business and letting others take care of things as they need. We're often very reluctant to receive correction. We don't want to have other people telling us that we've done wrong. Oftentimes our conscience is already bothering us and then someone else comes along and starts uh, inserting themselves into my life and I say, no thank you, that's none of your business. Jesus is very clear, it is. It is our business because as Catholic Christians, our responsibility to love our neighbor as ourselves means putting their salvation before our own comfort. And when someone has committed a sin against us or against someone else, the scriptures are clear. We have to, we have to tell them. The prophet Ezekiel in the first reading says that if we correct that person and they hear us, we've saved their life. And we will not be responsible for anything that happens to them. But if we fail to warn the wicked, if we fail to warn the wicked, to dissuade the wicked from his way, that wicked man will suffer his own punishment, but I will be held responsible for his death. That's a very strong law, rule, declaration. And so we need to take these things seriously. And how do we do this? How do we go about it? Well, first, I think it's good to point out the way this often goes wrong. If you've studied uh, counseling or are familiar with some of the, um, the dynamics of um, therapy, of trying to help people work out the difficulties and conflicts in their relationships, you'll, you'll be familiar with the, the concept of triangulation you've heard of that. Triangulation is something that we do all the time. I do it. I do it myself. I'm in a conflict with somebody. We have, we have a problem with, with one another, and I'm hurt by what happens. And instead of talking with you about it, I go and complain about it to you. And I vent about how ridiculous this is, or how unjust, or how I've been mistreated, and I proceed to explain in great detail, from my perspective, 
why I'm right. And is, isn't that terrible? And don't you sympathize with me, a victim? something objectively wrong or evil has taken place between us. And my legitimate anger over being mistreated is given to me to help address that problem, whatever it is. But instead, I take that anger, which is a gift from God, and I misspend it where it can do no good. In fact, all it does is make someone else angry. That's called triangulation. It happens all the time. I do it myself. Christ is calling us to reject that fallen tendency in our relationships and in love replace the triangle with the cross, with love, self-sacrificing love, which addresses the person who has committed a wrong and invites them back into communion, into healing. So that's the first thing to keep in mind when we experience hurts. And here I'm talking about interpersonal things. I'm not talking about employment situations. Those are governed by a different set of rules. We're often not responsible for managing other people's failures in the workplace. In that case, it may be appropriate to to communicate to a superior a concern that we have. And I'm not talking either about situations of abuse, right? We're to continue in relationship face-to-face with the person who's committed such a grievous harm against us that we can't be in their presence. Jesus isn't requiring us to submit to abuse. He is requiring us to love our neighbor in those situations where we are able to have hope that a situation may be repaired. So, I'm called to address those situations where I've been hurt, where I've observed someone become hurt, face to face. And that's the first thing I have to ask myself when I find myself reaching out to someone else to say, would you believe, (laughs) would you believe what she said or how I was treated? Get a load of this. I stop and I have to ask myself, am I willing to confront the person that has hurt me face to face and inform them about the ways they've caused me harm, the way that I'm suffering? And if I'm not willing to do that, if I'm not talking with this other person perhaps to get some guidance, to be open to maybe hearing that I'm taking this far too seriously, and I should just let it go, that I'm out of line. If I'm not open to that, then I can say I don't actually need to bring it up at all. It's not significant enough for me to address with the person that did it to me. Therefore, it's certainly not significant enough to bring it up with someone else who wasn't a part of the situation in the first place. But if I am, saying to myself, I think this is serious enough. I have been wounded in a real enough way. I'm going to ask to sit down with them and try to, try to communicate, try to correct and offer a chance to reconcile to the person. 
well, then I'm also going to ask myself, am I, going to, am I going to do this in such a way as to accuse, to punish, to humiliate? Or am I going to do this in such a way as to call this person to repentance? And note that we have to do this face to face. We have to do this in a personal way. An email doesn't count. A text doesn't count. A post on Facebook doesn't count. We're doing this as human beings, fellow disciples, calling one another to heaven and to leave behind the things that hold us back. We get this wrong all the time, so many ways, myself included. We count on our friends to back us up or to sympathize or to take our part rather than to call us to a higher level of sanctity and love for God and neighbor. Note also that Jesus is very aware that this may not work. The person we're correcting or trying to reconcile with may ignore us, reject us, brush us aside. In that case, we can continue to bring others in as witnesses, as he says. Now, now having confronted this person one-on-one -on -one in love, and they dismiss what I'm saying or don't pay attention, I can bring two or three others. If it's serious enough, I can bring two or three others and re-communicate the gravity of what's happened. And that may fail as well. Pride is a very dangerous beast that gets out of its cage far too often. And in cases like these, pride gets in the way. And Jesus tells us how this may continue to escalate until we reach a point where we can no longer be in community with such a person. To treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector doesn't mean throw them out. It means treat them as someone who doesn't know me. Reach out to them to bring them back into communion as someone who never made a profession of faith in the first place. Doesn't say give up on them, but change your frame of reference. One other dimension of the need to correct addresses sins that don't necessarily pertain to me in particular, right? Where I'm being personally wounded by, by, by someone. St. <clears throat> Jerome and St. Augustine write about another dimension of correction. St. Jerome says, if our brother has sinned against us and hurt us in any way, we do in fact have the power of forgiving, and, and we ought to do so. But he goes on to say, if someone sins against God, it's not in my power to forgive it. If someone sins against God, it's not in my power to forgive it. It's not my place to forgive sins against God. Only God can forgive such sins. So, I'm in the difficult position 
of calling that person to repent of their sin before God. And this too is an obligation. This too is a requirement. And St. Jerome points out that we get this off also exactly backwards. He points out, we're lenient over a sin against God. We give people great leeway. But when we ourselves are insulted, get out of the way. I'm coming for you. We demand total respect for ourselves, but we tolerate grave disrespect for God. In a case like this, where we're observing someone sin against God, we've seen it, it's clear, it's a sin not to correct them. It's a sin not to correct someone who's sinning against God. Because in sinning against God, this person is harming themselves. Not God. And in mercy, we must pity someone in that situation. If we fail to correct them, St. Augustine says, we are worse than the sinner. The sinner has done someone harm, and by doing harm, he is stricken himself with a grievous wound. Will you then completely ignore his predicament? If so, St. Augustine says, you are worse in your silence than he is in his abuse. These are challenging words, and they call us to a form of repentance that allows us to begin again. We all struggle in different ways with this teaching. Some of us are far too inclined to insert ourselves into other people's business and to try to exert control over them. Others of us are much more conflict-averse and we will, we will overlook any number of faults and sins and disorders and evils in the, name, in the name of maintaining a false peace. But neither of these is the right way. Jesus shows us the right way today. And as we are here this morning to worship him, to adore him, and to receive him, we see what all of that correction is ordered towards. It is ordered towards the communion with God around the altar in Holy Communion, Eucharistic Communion. And because of our communion with God, we share a deeper communion with one another here in this parish and in this community than with our own flesh and blood. That's the call to the Christian community. Do not let the sins of others or the sins that you have suffered drive you away from, in, from one another, but in love, take responsibility. Take action. Issue the call. Our psalm today says, if today you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts. And sometimes the voice of the Lord comes through a brother or a sister in Christ, offering us a correction in love. Let's begin again today in humility, in the willingness to both correct and to be corrected for the glory of God, for the conversion of poor sinners, and the perseverance of the just.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.